but yeah, how you it was, doing? How you doing? Good. I haven't seen that face in a while. I know. <laughs> We're uh, it's been a, been a few weeks since we've seen each other, or talked to each other, heard each other's voices. Your hair's long, dude. I know. I tried to get a haircut, and the uh, they couldn't fit me in last week, so I need to go this week. I hate it. I think, I think it's proportionate to like how long your beard is, but I mean, but I still just, I don't, I don't, I don't like having long no. hair. High and tight. High, High and tight, tight baby. You have a cold? Drew Locks spirals. No, I don't know why you always think I have a cold. No. <laughs> Doesn't he sound nasally? Healthy as could be. Um, I kind of have a nasally I, voice as it is. I, I attributed it more just like the audio because he's using his AirPods. That makes them sound a little nasally. Oh, make sure, again, make sure you're going through your mic, I guess. Oh, is the audio coming through my AirPods? I don't have no idea. I mean, you sound clear Maybe enough. Maybe that's it. We we're just How talking does this about sound now. Better. We we're just talking about Hawaii, Mo. Nice. Does this sound better? Yeah. Sure. Yes. I I changed. It was going through my um, AirPods. Now it's going through my actual mic. Yeah, it sounds better now. Okay. All right, I'm back. He's back. Hawaii was great. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I was just telling Ty, like, because Ty asked if we, if we did like any crazy excursions, and for the most part, it was like hikes, going to like different parts of the island. Um, but I think the craziest thing was, which I guess wasn't super crazy, but you guys know me pretty well, and, and uh, you probably understand why I was freaked out by this one. We did. I, mean, I think I told you, Jared. Out, the, I imagine. Yeah the uh, the manta ray night scuba not scuba yeah. it was like snorkeling um, yeah which was really cool like we got some good footage off to i gotta i gotta upload it onto a computer but they take us out into like a reef area right off it wasn't we weren't like the middle of the ocean at all like we're right near like like not far from the coast and um they have us go on these like surfboards where we hold a rope on the outside and we okay. always kind of float and there's lights on the bottom of the surfboard and it kind of just illuminates everything. And there's like four or five other companies out there or groups at the same time. So it's like a shitload of lights and it was kind of murky, but we could still see. And the manta rays just like come right up to you because they, the light attracts the, uh, this kind of plankton that's there. Okay. And then all the manta rays over the years have just been conditioned to come to that area and feed every night. Um, and they were they big. Are they, they're like the big things that killed Steve Irwin, right? So those are stingrays. These are manta rays. Oh, These things okay. are like, they're like, they described them as thousand pound butterflies. <laughs> they're like, yeah, they, they, they're not really dangerous at all. Like they have like the okay. big mouth. That paints a pretty accurate picture, I guess. <laughs> yeah. They I kind of laughed when he told me, he's like, I guess you're right. Cause when you look at them, they got the fucking flaps and everything. But as you're coming on, Ty see was, any fins out there. Well, that's the thing, because that's the whole time, not the whole time, because I kind of forgot about it because I was just focused on the manta rays, but Ty, as that's you, when I get as you, as you, yeah, as you jumped on mode, Ty was doing the iconic Jaws music and definitely <laughs> was in the back of my head, music. murky okay. fucking water. I'm just looking down and I'm just waiting for like fucking shark to come Ooh. eat me, but <laughs> that would put a downer on the trip. Yeah, but no, it was it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it, and I didn't get nice. seasick, which is even better. That's great. The yeah. whole trip? 
Nope, not the whole trip. Uh, we did a catamaran thing, and <laughs> I, I can tell in that picture that you sh- uh, fucking Emma posted. I was like, "That's Adam's nervous face right there." Well, are you talking about the one where I was like kind of looking off? What are you were on the catamaran? I know that you yeah. were like sitting down. And you had it. So I know exactly what you're talking about. At that point, I felt fine. I honestly did. I swear, if there were other pictures of me just sitting down and just like looking up and like taking deep breaths, <laughs> which there weren't, thankfully. Um, <laughs> that's when I was feeling real. I just felt like so shitty. Like I had the worst headache. I just, my equilibrium was all off. Did you uke? I didn't. Did I did not use it beforehand. Um, no, because I, it's been a long time since I felt that way. So I just kind of assumed like, ah, I'll be fine. And I wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like the end of the world. It was just, I wasn't enjoying it as much as everybody else. Um, but it was still like cool. Like the scenery was great. We watched the sunset, but, uh, yeah, it took me a few hours to kind of get my bearings back. But, um, yeah, it was an awesome trip. Highly recommend, uh, getting out to Hawaii at some point. Nice. Fucking Jared's camera angle is fucking killing me. Am I too close? I feel like I got a weird angle. Well, it looks like, it looks like you're here. Yeah. No, I'm in my chair. I'm in my chair. Uh, maybe it's just the size of the mic. It makes your, it's like the size of your head. Yeah, it looks like your head's fucking halfway across I the mean, room. I mean, it kind of is the size of my head. Yeah. Guess you're right. Got a little dome. Now, Mo, you, you had some recent recent excursions that uh, a, new, a recent excursion that Ty and I had some questions about. So, oh Jesus Christ! You want to tell us about the cult that you joined, or? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm happy to. It was um, called the Bread and Puppet Cult. <laughs> so, I don't I don't know how my brother in law found this place. Um, I think it's just like on Facebook or something weird, uh, but we kind of planned a weekend camping trip around this show called the bread and puppet show, as well as visiting Hill farmstead brewery, which is like one of the top breweries oh, in the country. Yeah. I've had some so shit that, from that's there. in the same town. Okay. Um, so we went up there. It was awesome areas, like right on the Canadian border. It was a hike, but it was really, really cool. Stayed right on a lake on Lake something with a W, uh, which was cool. Spent a day disc golfing, came in last and disc golf. Yeah, that, that, to- that toss you sent us was that was a just an absolute power throw, dude. And, it's it's e- easier than a no, it's harder than it looks. Yeah, no shit. I can't throw a frisbee for yeah. Dick. So I had some good throws, some not so good throws. Um, but that was Saturday. Sunday, we spent the day in the lake, which was awesome. Didn't and we then, ask about the show, Adam? Yeah, I mean, you, you just said I, I, wanted, I wanted to hear about everything else. I mean, I'm I'm pumped that you went to Hill Farmstead because I've definitely had beers from there. But I mean, yeah, the central focus was the the bread and puppet show. Well, uh, that, that's what I was getting to. So that yeah. Sunday, that's what we did in the afternoon. Um, so it was literally just this compound in the middle of the woods where they have a like outside. What do they call those types? Amphitheater, an outside amphitheater, where just like a stage. Um, down below surrounded by school buses that are decorated and then like a grassy um, place to sit. So we get there, show's supposed to start at three. We're like chilling. Um, and then they're like, all right, the show's not starting. And you just hear come from the woods. Puppet show, puppet show. Come see the puppet show. Don't be scared. And we're like, what the hell is going on? 
I would fucking so, run so fast back to my car. <laughs> so so we go and check it out and we find out, dude, it's a full immersive experience, this show. So there's like multiple puppet shows going on at the time, each of them with like a social justice oriented theme. So one of them was a lady talking about um, her uterus and some horse that was were there children there yeah children old people all it was a mix just a bunch of hippies it was like talking about a horse that's paralyzed because it's put under being experimented on by mit but it feels the pain um there was somebody talking about palestinian murder and then then we went into the woods and there was an entire they call it memorial forest an entire like memorial built for every puppeteer that's ever died <laughs> in the woods. Were there a lot like, of puppeteers? There was probably 15 memorials there. Damn. It was insane. So <laughs> show show finally started and it's just these massive paper mache puppets and they do a show, no electricity, no mic, just live band, like self-projecting voices and it, most of the things are all like different to bring awareness of social justice issues for like an hour and a half puppet show. Um, so that was very interesting, very weird. And then after that, they're like, okay, come join us for the resurrection. So that's what I sent you. That's what I sent you guys, that massive yeah. 30 foot tall puppet. So there was that, which was actually pretty cool. And you got to see everybody up close in their white garb, look like they were straight out of Waco, Texas. And then after that, there was the, I don't know what this was called, um, but just this like 20 minute thing with this massive hundred yard long puppet of mother earth, just crawl like crossing this massive field and they were doing all this weird stuff. And then after that, you go and get bread and they give you a slice of bread and some garlic, some garlic. I was wondering when the bread was going to come into play. Yeah, I didn't know either. It's like, come get some bread. And then there's a bread line and you get a piece of bread. And then we left. It was a uh, quite the weird experience. I don't know if I'd be in a rush to go back, but uh, I guess that I experienced it. Um, No, not dead sober. We were drinking. Um, I wasn't doing any like psychedelics or anything. I was a little sketched out to do them like surrounded by hundreds of people. It doesn't seem like the environment for mushrooms. I think I'd freak out. I, if I saw that was my puppets. fear, but I feel like I would have enjoyed the show a lot more on some psychedelics. Um, but I did. Yeah, I, I would like we're I mean, it sounds like everyone else in the crowd was on them. Probably. Probably. Have so, you guys uh, seen Midsummer? No, the movie? I've never heard of it. All right. Watch that movie and tell me that it's not exactly what you experience with like the white garbs and like because you're in the middle of fucking nowhere i'm assuming middle of the woods yeah on the canadian border yeah as soon as you sent that picture the first thing i thought of was that movie midsummer which is like yeah. the swedish summer celebration but it's like this whole cult thing in the movie it's that's the first thing i thought of it looked terrifying but all i could think like about all i could think about is oh this is how cults happen this is how you convince all these people to believe in crazy shit. And there was like the one ringleader guy. And I like, guarantee you every single person here is probably sucking into the show. Guys and girls alike. <laughs> it was just this weird, weird vibes. What, was there if, a if, line? If you, was there a line to suck his after the bread? We left okay. right after the bread. I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> oh, good. 
but if you if you Google the show, so I guess it's been going on. It started as a Vietnam War protest and like got so crazy big. There was thousands of people going at one time and they would all camp in the woods for the weekend. And it got so crazy. Somebody died there in a riot. So oh since then, I think that was the uh, either the 70s or the 80s. Since then, they now only do like a three-hour puppet show Saturdays and Sundays um, through July and August because it got so crazy that people died there. Wait, they have a show just like that on all summer? All summer long, yep. All summer oh long. Oh, my God. Yeah. Damn. But I got a uh, even more exciting excursion coming up next week. Yeah, I think you guys will be proud of me for this one. Mo What's finally that? rented a camper van. Oh, you rented a camper van. You rented one. That was never. Uh, that wasn't that was part of the, the thing you talked about. But that was a hundred percent part of my plan for the summer to see if I like oh, having a camper oh, van. Oh, okay, gotcha. I think um, meant like the master plan. No, so I rented a camper van for four Baby days, steps. and I'm driving into uh, Western Mass out to the Berkshires, and gonna do a uh, solo camper van journey for four days next week. Awesome. When, did, when did this? Uh, yeah. When are you the, doing that? Um, so I've, I've been thinking about renting one like all summer, and I was like, dude, I haven't used a lot of PTO. Let me. I planned a week of vacation for next week. I was like, what the fuck can I do? I was like, this is a perfect time to go rent a camper van and just go spend some time in the woods. So I just went on outdoorsy, rented a camper van for the four days. I have it Sunday to Wednesday. Awesome. That sounds like it will be a great time. So you guys will get a good update. Uh, not right, next week because I'll be in the woods. But the week after that, on uh, what Mo actually thinks of camper van life, it would be great if you had set up a hotspot out there and <laughs> we did a show while you're in the middle of the. All right, we're live. <laughs> I mean, if there's if there's service, I'm open to it. I'm not gonna be doing much. I'll be chilling. So if there's service, I'm open to it. No, I mean, I'm just kidding. I mean, I don't want to interrupt your your Michael Scott going into the woods experience by Survivor yourself. Survivor man experience. <laughs> Good for you, man. It's the first step to, you know, achieving your dream of. Or at least seeing if this actually, if I want this to be. To have the best cell service. Not not that it's about having cell well, service. The whole, the whole point is to not have cell service and just be off the grid. Right. That's like my, this past that was weekend, my point. It was like, so nice having no cell service all weekend as we fucking were withdrawing from Afghanistan and the world yeah. burning. At least you had people to talk to, but this is going to be very different. Yeah, I think. It'll definitely but who be knows? Different. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, sure. He's frozen. <laughs> oh, he's moving. Oh, he's back. Say something. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now I can. Yeah. There we go. We could, we could see your lips moving. Jeez Nothing was coming Christ. out before. Thought we were going to crash there for a second. Oof. It looked like we were about to. You were frozen too. Yeah. Um, the fuck was I going to So say? is that a good segue to one of our uh, good our main topics about... Well, I was just going to say, I just want to have it on the record that no chance you don't come back from that and say like, you're considering quitting your job. <laughs> or, I mean, I'd say 50-50 chance I come back and say, this is awesome. I'm buying a camper van and building it out. Or F this, I never have any interest in spending another day in a camper van. I'd say 50-50. No, you're, you're usually hyperbolic. You're, you'll say that you need to <laughs> quit your job for a year and finally do it because if you don't do it now, you never will. The same thing you say every if- day. He has a good experience. Yeah, yeah. If I have a terrible experience, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Could go the total opposite way. My first time showering outside and shitting in a camper van uh, toilet. Just shit outside, dude. Do a nature poop. 
Yeah, I'm staying at a campsite. I'm sure there'll be toilets. I'll use those preferably. <laughs> oh, there you go. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't sure Adam exactly wouldn't. where you'd be staying. That that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I was. I was scared to just like pull over on the side of the road <laughs> and do fully off the grid. I'm like, I'm going to stay at a campsite. Yeah, probably a good idea. First time doing it. All right, let's do it. Let's dive in. To what? I don't know. Did anything we happen got, this we past two, weekend that two uh, good juicy worth topics talking about? There was, this wasn't even on our radar like <laughs> Thursday of last week. No, this and is that, supposed to be like the the, the, the two <laughs> topics that we brought up before, and that was really it. And uh, it's gone quite another way since then. You want to tell us what happened? Sure. Um, do you guys remember uh, the war in Afghanistan? <laughs> I mean, how far do we need to go back? Hadn't, hadn't heard about it in quite a while in the mainstream media, to be honest. Well, yeah, which is why I think it's a good way to bring it up because obviously we're all privy to you know what happened. I think it would behoove us to go through like a little timeline to catch everyone, our listeners up to speed. But yeah, I mean, the long and short of it is that um, Afghanistan's more of a shit show than we assumed it, it was. And uh, the United States has officially started the withdrawal process. And in doing so, uh, the Taliban has totally resurfaced, even though it never really went away. It seemed like it did because we didn't really hear too much about it. Um, but they have now taken over uh, Kabul and are well on their way of just pretty much taking back control of Afghanistan. Um, I mean, they already have the, they have the presidential palace. Yeah, they they're just in general, they're just they, they have control spreading. again. Yeah, right. I meant like literally dotting the entire country. But yeah, you're right. They already had a bunch of territory before that. So I think we need to start from the beginning before we get to what's happening. Um, so you guys want to go through a quick teach, timeline? Give us a give us a trip back in history. Let's take a hop on the hop on the uh, van that Mo rented and let's head back 20 years. All right. And hop on the camper van, yeah. which is interesting to think about because so this war lasted 20 years. Um, stretched over two decades and several administrations. And when this all started, guys, we were what, 10, 11? Like when, yep. when, when September 11th happened, that's, we were young. So it's pretty crazy to think that this is now Too young to really close. know what was going on. Exactly. Which is, I think, even more important why we go through it. So 9-11 happens. Um, and obviously all the mass hysteria, all the nationalism, our goal is to find the perpetrators. We figure out it's Al-Qaeda, which is an Islamic militant group that's being harbored by the Taliban, which happened to be in Afghanistan. So we invade Afghanistan. Can I, can I, can I pause you for a sec? <laughs> sure. Um, We've only just begun, but yes. No, so I think it's an interesting part of the story if we go back even further to um, the U.S.'s original um, conquest in Afghanistan and where the Taliban and Al-Qaeda came from. Because we were in Afghanistan, what, in the 80s fighting um, well, we had the Gulf a proxy war a proxy war with Russia? We had the Gulf War. Um, yeah, and then before that, all the Cold War stuff, I guess – the old Gulf War is yeah, like I mean, what, the Soviet Union so that's a little during the seventies. Yeah, so so we yeah, had a, we had a full on proxy war with the Soviet Union's allied tribes and our tribes, and we kind of tried this once already, and then ended up leaving, and that's how the Taliban got in charge. 
Correct. Yeah. They kind of, we opened a vacuum essentially for them to step in and establish a foothold. Exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking just the last few decades, but yeah, I mean, it, it does stretch back quite a bit. You can say 50 years ago, this is still like brewing. Um, but yeah, so everything that I said happened, we doesn't take us very long. We defeat the main military operation within Afghanistan, or at least push it back far enough so we can establish a foothold in Afghanistan. And then eventually we kind of do the same thing in Iraq a couple of years later in 2003. So at that point, George W. Bush is in office. And throughout his time, throughout his two terms, our military presence only grows and grows. And eventually we are all over the fucking place, not even just in Afghanistan, but the Middle East in general, specifically Iraq and Afghanistan. And all those speeches that, again, like Jared said earlier, we weren't old enough to like retain a lot of it. But George Bush was very much keen on spreading democracy and, you know, ridding the, the Afghani people of the, 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 the terrorists, the, the global terrorists and finding weapons of mass destruction, all this. Didn't he basically stuff. model it, you know, after what happened, you know, with, with Europe after the Second World yeah, War? Yeah, the, the Marshall Plan. Yeah. The Marshall Plan, which, as Ty alluded to, was a plan uh, George C. Marshall um, crafted it. And he he was like secretary of state or something like that. I forgot. But he uh, it was pretty much a plan to rebuild West uh, Europe, most of Western Europe um, after World War Two. So they could be a reliable ally again. And then more turmoil wouldn't continue in the area. So that was pretty much what they were trying. Well, I guess not trying to do, because as we know from all our research, there really wasn't a concrete plan for most of the time while we were in the Middle East. That was the um, but again, that's idea. one of the things that came out of it. What's that, Ty? That was the overarching idea. Everything was sure, kind of under that the we rebuild Afghanistan. We make it a, you know, a re- and eventually a reliable ally for us in the Middle East. So Israel is now nothing actually has nothing to do with stopping Al Qaeda. Nope. Al Qaeda was, for the most part, dis- dismember not dismember that's not the right word, but dispersed within like three months of us being in Afghanistan. Yeah, they took us the a while. And then we said, okay. Them. Yeah, and, for sure. It took us a while to get bin Laden, but they were pretty much saying, okay, what can we do to stay here and further this war? Sure. And it became a manhunt, fucking manhunt, looking for Osama bin Laden, which obviously is the, the face of Al Qaeda. Um, I mean, I remember seeing like the video footage from like the Today Show, like these caves and like they're they're throwing bombs in there and just like trying to like snuff these guys out and like get them out in the open. But for years, we couldn't find the the, the key players, especially Osama bin Laden, because Afghanistan's geography is fucking wild. There's mountains, caves. It's 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 insane. So then Obama takes over, 2009. He officially jumps in there and his go- one of his goals, one of his presidential promises, if you will, was to get us out of the Middle East, specifically Afghanistan, Iraq, all that, which again, I think most people could get behind now. I can't speak to what the climate was at the time, because I think the way we think about this war now is much different than it was 10, 12 years ago. But there is still, you know, a lot of support even for then getting the public, our yeah, troops home. Majority, Sorry? I would, I would- I bet you a majority of the public, even at that point, would have said we need to withdraw. 
maybe I, it's not I, a I super majority. Almost, almost ten years at that point. Right. I don't, you know, maybe it's not a super majority, but I would say a majority. Of well, that's what I mean. Like now, it's a super majority. By then, I'm well, sure. At that time, I'm, I'm sure I mean, it wasn't. I don't know at this point. Based well, off of what's I mean, guess played out the last few days, it, like I, I think you can see the public sentiment maybe shifting quickly about us going back about us withdrawing no well that, that's what i mean I, I i agree i think it's overwhelmingly withdrawing people are supporting that i'm saying at the time that idea of nationalism the idea of like stopping global terrorism it was still sort of fresh from like the bush era so and that's why i would say like maybe it's I, not much you're right yeah, no i agree I you're right think, it, it is yeah. definitely uh uni- like unanimous public support of withdrawal but over the sure. last four days i would say everything that's come out in my opinion is is changing that i think a lot of people now are all of a sudden like oh my god we shouldn't be withdrawing and we'll get into this but i'm just saying like, sure. I, I think it's interesting how you know public sentiment is is can change on these kind of things oh totally agree so again obama pledges we're getting the troops out that doesn't happen um more troops actually get put in to uh, the Middle East. Thousands, tens of thousands are sent. They call it the Obama surge. I think in like between 2009, 2011, like 30 to 40, probably more. Thousands of troops are being sent to the Middle East. Um, and then 2011, in May, I think of 2011, I remember where I was. I'm sure you guys do too, watching TV. And then all of a sudden, breaking news, Osama bin Laden's been killed. Obama comes on there. It's a big moment for the country. Everyone's happy. Like, hey, this is why we went, right? To find this guy and to, and to kill him. You know, the head, the head of the snake, if you will. Well, that was in 2011. We're here in 2021. And we were up to a few weeks ago. We're, we're still there. I know we're, with, we're not totally withdrawn. We're still there. So in 2014, he makes a speech and declares, we're getting out. By 2016, we will be fully withdrawn from the Middle East. That doesn't happen. You chickens and out. And in fact, it gets worse. Um, you know, casualties are rising. Um, the, the public opinion, again, is shifting more towards what we've said about like being pro withdrawal at that point. So nothing really gets solved in, in that front. Then our buddy Trump comes in. Same idea. He pledges we're getting the troops home. That doesn't happen. Although there was a small uptick, now an uptick in removal of troops. I think they said like we had like X amount of troops, like 20,000 or something at the time when he was elected. And then by like three years later, we had a lot less, which I guess is an improvement, but people were still, boots were still on the ground and airstrikes are ramping up. And it brings us to more recently, which is last year in February, uh, Trump, the administration, with Trump's administration strikes a deal with the Taliban, a peace deal, which is pretty fucking wild that what started out as a, you know, as Jared pointed out, something, a, a, a contingency in the 70s that was mainly, you know, was allowed to enter the Middle East via vacuum and take control of parts of the Middle East had become like a force to be reckoned with, not, you know, side by side, like our troops against their troops, our military against their military, but they were giving us a lot of problems. So a peace, a peace deal was reached. Part of that deal was us withdrawing all of our forces 
by May 1st of this year. And then oh, Trump loses re-election. Biden gets in there and Biden extends it. He says, all right, how about September 11th instead? I think the, the reason was logistical. There were logistical reasons why the deadline for remo- withdrawal had to be extended, which was September 11th. And now that kind of brings us to where we are now, because obviously a lot of things were happening. And as Ty pointed out, we're going to get into a lot of those things today. But we didn't hear about a lot of this stuff until like the last few days when like stuff that was supposed to happen in July or like there was a press conference, like Biden was on the record of saying, oh, yeah, we, we don't expect the Taliban to be able to you know, reassert themselves as a threat and uh, take over Afghanistan. I think he said that in mid-July. Yeah. Well, over the weekend, it seems the Taliban did just that. And that's where we are now. And everyone's throwing hot takes everywhere. This is, of course, once again, becoming bipartisan. Uh, there's people blaming Biden. There's people blaming Trump. But we all know that there are many different perspectives that we need to get into. And there's a lot of different ways you can go with this. So that kind of brings us to the present day conversation of our withdrawal from the Middle East. All right. I think so, what's important, important, I guess. One, one important distinction, like from what you said, right, is seemingly to like the world, it happened like overnight, right? Yes. The Taliban took over. But in reality, like we had even talked about it on this show. Remember when Biden had said, like, we're doing it, we're done, we're withdrawing. We were all like, this is awesome. And Rising had segments on it. Uh, They had stories starting to leak about the Taliban taking over control of formerly occupied territories and whatnot. Right. So it was happening all fucking summer that the Taliban was starting to take back you know, territories that we once occupied, you know, sure. So yeah. Very and, much like, not like an said, overnight thing. No, 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 definitely not. I guess, obviously, the, the coverage of it seems it, right, overnight. Exactly. Because all of a sudden it's like, hey, remember that war that's going on? Well, we it was lost all it. once they took the capital. That's when. Correct. It, and that pretty yeah. much was a culmination of everything. But you're right. They had they, they had, like the past year. I think they said they've been slowly taking territories surrounding the city. And then yeah. obviously, like you said, tired of the summer, it escal- it escalated quickly. And we didn't really just start hearing about it until four or five days ago. So yeah, yeah you're so absolutely I, I, right. The coverage on this is very inconsistent. I guess maybe to start, like what was your guys initial response and like initial thoughts when you saw like Kabul had fallen um, and Taliban had taken control of the country again? Definitely go for it. Shocked. Like, because again, we had been we had talked about how you know it had been happening, but it, it wasn't in the everyday news. It's not something I no. ever thought about. You know what I mean? Um, so you know, to watch it all play out the way it has, it was pretty uh, pretty shocking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't. I mean, how, how could any of us had? Obviously, like like we just said, not everyone was paying attention to what was going on, including us, until shit actually started happening. Um, but yeah, like just seeing like, like how quickly it seemed with the way it was covered. It's very, very shocking. Cause like when we, when we think of the Taliban, like our, we, it brings us back to like, we were in middle school, early high school, where all we heard about every single day were like these extremists, these terrorists, these people that 
have public executions and cut people's heads off on camera and post it on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, you know, that, that, that are as the theocratic as you could possibly be. Like they, they based all everything that they know off of, off of, uh, the, the Quran. And like, we were always told these, these terrible people, like it was kind of freaky to think like, wow, like this terrorist group is literally taken over a country seemingly overnight. We know that's not the case, but I was shocked. I, I it kind of took me by surprise. Cause like you said, it reminded us that something was going on in the middle East. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely shocked. I think my initial like emotional reaction was wow. Like all of that was for absolutely nothing. Right. Like trillions of dollars, countless lives between Afghani lives and U S lives to be where we started, but worse 20 years ago. Like that was my immediate takeaway. I'm just like disgust after the shock. Yeah, no question. No question. I mean, I, I think we'll get more into it, but like fundamentally, you know, it's like it was inevitable and it doesn't matter if it were five years ago if it were five years from now, it would look the same. You would have that same feeling of, okay, what was all this for? No, no matter what, like even if it happened a year after we left, Everyone, you know, who is in government and in military, you know what I mean, and follows these things, knew that it was just a matter of time. Like, I, Which, I think... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, you know, again, things, things are, you know, these things we can get more into, but, you know, the fucking government that we help stand up there, right, didn't have any yeah. public trust. Yeah, you know the the military obviously was not up to snuff, and these were things that you know we were lied to about by For the very generals. Years, yeah. So that's why it's so shocking. To, like I think to to so many people is because like unless you read like those Afghanistan papers, then you don't really have any idea like what's been going on over there. Like why we're there? What do people think about it? Like that laid it all out. Yeah. So everyone that was involved knew that this is how it was going to end. It, it, that, that's you're hundred percent right. I think if you look at the narrative that was projected from the media and the military to the public, everybody's shocked. If now, you know, four days later, you've done enough research to understand what was really going on with the government or lack thereof, the military we propped up, where all the money went. Um, the idea that we thought we could put these random warlords is the government that nobody trusted just because they were the same people that we supported as rebels back in the 70s. And these people are just going to be able to run the country and have the trust of the government. Like, how Literally, we were dealing with people who had like basically admitted to us that they had people assassinated. And we were dude, like, they're just oh, as bad as the well, Taliban. They're, yeah, we're like, oh, well, we got an ally with somebody. Taliban. So, yeah. So, so I think when you see all of those things that say, oh, so this is really what was going on, it's clear as day why it happened the way that happened. It's the entire thing was fake. The, the whole, not that war was fake, but 
everything we said we were trying to do was all a big boondoggle. It was to put money in the pockets of defense contractors, money in the pockets of the Afghanis. Like I read a thing saying our logistics were so bad there that when we would send food to Afghani soldiers, we were sending them Pizza Hut because we couldn't (laughs) figure out a way to get them local food. Like you're telling me we're going to prop up a government to run a country and we're trying to make them live off Pizza Hut because that's what we think this country should be like. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Like, it I remember seeing a, a vice. The whole point is like what you just laid out and what I just mentioned, like this was all known to everybody well before now. Who's everybody? Everybody. The, the, I mean, the unless you just aren't paying attention at all, like literally everyone in the media knows about the Afghanistan papers, what was in them, you know, the um, all the, the you know, testimonials that they have from the generals like that that was available to everybody yeah and and you i i didn't ever look into it before now but even like knowing that was available i don't think anybody in the public really realized how bad it was like yeah but who's shaping the public's reaction to all this media of course right but but i i guess i was just gonna say like um we've like based off all this evidence we've literally spent the last 15 years kicking the can down the road because nobody wants to actually show what was really going on that's why obama didn't withdraw troops that's why trump didn't do it when he said he was going to do it nobody wanted that egg on their face well and also because the generals were telling them if you do this you're fucked you're Mm -hmm. never going to get reelected. this you know this is not what we need right now you know, we, we have to stay there and we have to send more troops because of X, Y, and Z. And if you're a president, like that takes a lot of guts and balls to say, like, don't care. Like I said what I said, we're getting the troops out of there. Doesn't matter what's going on. We're getting the fuck out. Nobody yeah, was, was willing to do that. To, to your point, Ty, there was an article, like, like a clip of an article I saw on Twitter from, I think it was the post, the Washington post that uh, talked about how like, Obama, like the first, you know, obviously super young president at the time. And you have all of these seasoned generals all around him. I think they, they, they prefaced it as like being boxed in saying, Hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. And even though you're commander in chief, I think people forget that, you know, you don't know everything about everything. Like exactly. You lean on your experts. You, yeah. you lean heavily on your that's administration the, the, to get you through that right all there these different the whole things. fucking crux. And we've talked about that's like a major theme of a lot of shit we talk about, but they leaned on the experts. Yes. The experts have been executing this entire thing from start to finish. This entire disaster has all been led by the same fucking people Mm -hmm. that just get recycled and have the same ultimate goal to keep fucking funding the military industrial complex and to have reasons to be at war to justify your position. Yeah. Yeah. I, Speaking I was one, Oh, sorry, Jared, you go, you go. I was going to say one of the things I was most disgusted about. Um, and again, as you learn more, you kind of understand why was the fact that the the military and government dude didn't even try and stop the Taliban from taking it over. They had side deals the entire time. 
They say, hey, you protect me. I'll let you take over my town. My family can live in peace. Like the, the locals knew what we were doing was not going to work. And they just let us continue to give them billions and billions of dollars to just, as soon as the Taliban came up, not one ounce of bloodshed. Nope, just take it, man. Take the about, drones. Uh, people like well, does it, isn't that because so of that peace deal that was signed? No, the peace deal was between us and talking about the, the Taliban, Afghan, U.S. and uh, Taliban. Oh, I thought you were talking about us. No, I'm talking about the Afghani government and troops not even fighting for their own quote-unquote country and government that we're supposed to be setting up and fighting. That we're funding. Like, does that not tell point. you everything we're you need funding, to know? We're funding, yeah. <laughs> that we're paying yeah. a lot of money. Um, speaking of funding, I have a few quick funding facts for everybody just to give an idea of how much funding was really put into this. So to give you a little perspective, so Ty brought up the Marshall Plan before, which again was the plan to rebuild Europe after World War II. From 1948 to 1952, $13 billion were spent, which is the equivalent of about $114 billion today to rebuild okay. Europe. <laughs> Fucking Europe. <laughs> to rebuild Afghanistan, or rebuild, I use air quotes, yeah, we like used build. one, yeah, re, or build, yeah, re, whatever you want to call it, shit show. We spent $133 billion on one fucking country. It's not even that big of a country on the grand scheme of things. 133 billion alone, just on like the, the infrastructure and, and all that other stuff. Um, which according to the Afghan papers, Af Afghanistan papers, um, an executive from the United States Agency of International Development said that 90% of it was overkill. It didn't need to be spent and it didn't go anywhere. Um, the total money spent in the Middle East and Asia in general on wars. I didn't want to take a whack at how many dollars we spent on six the trillion. wars combined. What do you say, Ty? Six trillion. Ooh, 6.4. Jeez. 6.4 trillion dollars. And, and that was all over but, Twitter. So I was like, I was shocked at that number. So, yeah, I mean, I know people keep talking about like, the trillion dollars that we put into like the Afghani military over the 20 years, which obviously is a gross amount of money. But six point four billion as a whole is no, just a trillion. So, you said trillion, trillion. You, you yeah. said you just said billion, trillion, right? I, have, <laughs> I said trillion the first time, then I probably switched back to billion trillion with a T. That's a, a T. lot of money. That's a lot of money. So to give an idea, like for everyone, when we say funding, that's what we're talking about here. And to, if we were to take an aerial snapshot of what the infrastructure looks like in Afghanistan right now, I'd have to guess it's probably new, not too hot. I guess it's probably like four roads, some crappy cities, and some military bases. And the roads oh, aren't even man. secure. We couldn't even use them. Yeah. So like, remember, where did like, all that money go? Obviously, you guys saw this, but the, the, the two-mile road between the embassy and the airport – they couldn't secure two miles. <laughs> they had to just transport everyone by helicopter because with all the fucking troops we had there, all the money we fucking spent, we couldn't. Obviously, one one part is that we can't just uh, we can't differentiate friend from foe out there. It's a little different. And two it was just that it was just too dangerous for a two mile stretch of road. After we've been there for two fucking decades, we still couldn't figure that out. Talk about incompetence. It's all laid out in that example right there. So ultimately, what do you guys think of? Go ahead, Ty. I'm gonna. I was gonna say. Ultimately, do you agree with? Because Biden has come out and said, "I'm not changing my position. This is what we're doing." 
What do you guys think about that? Because that's what's drawing all the criticism right now, for bipartisan criticism right now. Well, that, that was my comment was going to be around. What do you think of the bipartisan media onslaught against the president for this? Well, first, what, when have what we do you ever? First, what do you feel uh, well, about yeah. the decision personally? So I flip-flopped about 15 times over the last three or four days. But I think what I keep going back to um, and shocker, it was came from breaking points was when Sager kept bringing up. Yes. Everybody's thinking we want to be out, but could we have done it better? But when you actually look at the only two realistic options as sending that tens of thousands of more troops and hundreds of them dying as we break our peace treaty or our peace treaty expires or leave the way that we did. If I have to pick between those two options, I pick what we did a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, the, the question I have that keeps popping up is like, what have we been doing since we came up with this peace deal to have some type of a streamlined exit? Like right. the, whole, the whole protect the girls and like, I get it. The media is not really, doesn't really care about that shit, but like, I, I do think it's important. All of the Afghanis that like were on our side, and are now just going to be fucking hung. That's pretty fucked up. We left him there. Yeah. And so we, pro- we who, promised where, we were going to take them with us. Agreed. And and I, I agree with, um, I agree with that very much. So um, who does that fall on though? I understand like president Biden said the buck stops with me, but if we're going to look back uh, over the last, cause uh, Adam, what do you say? February, the peace deal was, was, yeah, February of 2020. In. So squarely okay. Trump territory. Right. They had so, a year and a half. Year and a half spanning two administrations. Whose job is that to oversee it? Somebody the bu- in the U.S. military, right? Yeah, but the, bu- the right? buck stops with the commander in chief. No, but I'm just saying for conversation's sake, who's actually responsible for doing that? Yeah, it would be. Uh, I would a, assume a high somebody in the Pentagon, in the military. Yeah, somebody in the military. And so they just fucked off that. and didn't do anything for, you know, eighteen months. Yeah, yeah. And Seems now it's like Biden's that. fault. I certainly, yeah. So I guess to go back to Jared's or to, to the point you you uh, threw to Jared, I, I I'm not gonna talk too much about it. I agree with Jared because I have the exact same opinion. Like we have to do what's best for our nation as terrible as those images are. I I agree with the decision, but to your point, Ty, no, I I don't think that's Biden's fault completely, but I don't think he gets off scot-free here. There's certainly a lot of blame to go around. Neither do I. I just wish I had heard one person, one ask the question, what the fuck is our military doing? Yeah. Like, well, I think literally, that, what are we thing. doing over there? Like, it, it wasn't enough that we failed for fucking whatever it was, 18 years. We can't even fucking leave the right way. And that, that wasn't even acknowledged in the media, right? All the It'll never was, be. How, how, how could Biden do this? Not one thing about... Even breaking points, dude. It was really focused on Biden and the decisions he's making. And I get why. Yeah. Because, yes, you are the commander in chief. But, I mean, like like we said, let's be fucking honest. Like a president is like a CEO. That's like, you know. Yeah. At, he's not like he can't be everywhere. Yes, he's once. held accountable for it in, in theory, right? Because someone has to. But why is nobody asking like real questions about whose job was it to oversee this withdrawal? 
And what have or, you been doing? Dude, not just a withdrawal. Who's how did we let this war happen this way for 20 well, that's a years? That hasn't, another, yeah. that hasn't even been asked on the media as it's now publicly known this entire thing was a, a boondoggle. Not one person has said, how did we let this happen? It's how did Biden leave those people behind? Right. Trying to fuel the flames. Right. And how could we possibly in more conflict? Right. How could we possibly let the Taliban take over this country again and all the awful things they're going to do? That's right. All I'm seeing on the media. That's all it's been. It's all it's been left and right. It's 100 percent bipartisan pushback against the president, which take away from me. And I think this is straight out of a book of the Cold War era and what happened to fucking JFK shows the real power and strength of the military industrial complex and the intelligence agencies that they control everything, dude, dude, they're they're the real establishment. So I I was the reason JFK was assassinated. They're the reason the narrative is the way it is in the news right now. So shows uh, their their influence. Right. Supersedes. Democrat that of the executive branch of government. <laughs> yep. So uh, yep. I'm sitting down and watching CNN with, with Erica and they're talking about how all these reports are surfacing about these humanitarian rights issues and, you know, threats and all that. And I'm like, well, I immediately question that because who the fuck is, are those reports coming from? Yeah. People who want to send more troops back. Keep us there. I mean, you you have their pockets. You can't not acknowledge that that's a possibility. Could certainly be true, and I and I wouldn't be surprised if it were true. But how can you take that any more at face value? How could you ever believe anything they say after all the shit we've found out about what our government does and how they operate in in Iraq and Afghanistan Mm -hmm. and here over. And here, yeah. And here, and here. But it's especially with those like over oh, two. We we just recreated Vietnam twice in a bad way. Yeah. Right. And and you know, I, so, um, I think Sagar said it, but you know, he's like for everyone comparing this to Saigon and trying to like nail Biden to the cross on that, he's like, I'd love to ask those people, so what do you think? Should we have stayed in Vietnam longer? Right. Keep it going. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> I mean, yeah, fucking it's going to be awful. Like, you know, everyone always has to like preface it by saying like, you know, obviously, you know, that that's just terrible. What, you know, the way that country um, is, you know, left to handle themselves. And right. It's an absolute. And also the Saigon terrible. Yeah. To the Saigon thing, Ty, just jump on just to piggyback on what you said. The Saigon thing took over over was over the course of two years, whereas this was over the course of like three weeks. Yeah. So it's very, it's, I get why people are drawing the comparisons, but it's really not as similar as people are saying. And, and again, it, it just boils down to like, okay, you want to throw your bombs? You want to take your shots? What the fuck would you do differently? What do you suggest we do? Because if you don't say, I just want us to be there forever, then you're fucking full of shit. And you don't know what you're talking about. Or what's the other thing? I think Trump said it. It's not that we left. It's how we left. Yeah. It's like, how it's the like, fuck would you Shut the fuck want- up, buddy. <laughs> exactly. Shut the fuck up. And, and, I don't want to hear from and, you, you fucking clown. <laughs> Sagar mentioned it a couple times. Like, guys, this is war. You think wars end with a happy ending when we lose? Or in general? Like, 
you you have a peace treaty. It's not going to end well. What did you think? You think the Taliban come to us with a peace treaty because like they're like, oh yeah, great job, great game. Let's get back to way the world the way it was before. Like no way. Right. So my opinion is that Biden is now probably my favorite president ever because (laughs) I saw that coming from a mile away. Well, so here's why is because I think what we talked about earlier about how, you know, who's, who's, whose job is it, right? Whose job has it been to oversee and, you know, kind of formulate our entire strategy in this war, our military who failed that entire time, had no idea what they were doing. Self-admittedly had no goal. Didn't even know who the enemy was. The U S military. Who is supposed to be, if if the president of the United States says we're getting out in May of 2021, whose job is it to get the fucking troops off the ground? It's not Joe Biden. It's not Donald Trump. Conflict, conflict of interest. They don't want to get off the ground. Coincidence. Maybe not. So, so Biden's my favorite president of all time because he took this massive hit. He's gonna he's getting crushed for it, and whoever did this was gonna get crushed. Like no matter yeah. what, there was no the scenario where right whoever the fuck pulled out, this was gonna get spun. I mean, this isn't getting spun right, but this was gonna be a shit show getting out of there. Like, the, well, it's just it's kind of like Gerald Ford. Which I thought was a great. I think was he the guy that's out of Vietnam. Well, so he he came into office and he was vice president beforehand, but he came into office in nineteen seventy four, just as the war was wrapping up, and it was ultimately his administration's like descent, his doing to orchestrate that withdrawal, and he became like as people keep saying like this is Biden Saigon, and they and it refers right. back to Gerald Ford, but like. He got in there at the very end, not that he wasn't involved in like the workings of the government and, and with Nixon before that, you know, then, then obviously, you know, Watergate scandal happens. He, he resigns and then Ford eventually comes into the into the fray. But everyone's like, like looks at that. It's like, oh, this is where Ford really fucked up. This is going to be a stand in his record. But he did. He made a really tough decision, just like Biden did. And now he has he's the face of that decision, even though Biden is just one of many people. And again, I'm obviously I'm not blaming Biden wholeheartedly, like 100 percent, because we know that's not accurate, even though some people would spin it to say it is. But he is taking the, the bullet for many people that have, that would have been able to make this better. Oh, the last two presidents before him said they wanted to do it and never did it. Could have done yep. it. Sure. And he's fucking and, doing it, dude. You know, like he's a, standing up and, and he's getting yeah, like blown to pieces for standing pat on his decision yeah. to withdraw. I'll certainly give him a big W for it, but he won't get my favorite until he does the same type of shit for things that will also impact Americans like health care, minimum wage, etc. Yeah, et cetera. yeah. I, hear you, I, I think it's a good point. This is a super important issue for me. Definitely. I agree. I agree. And I think that, you know, when you look at like, for example, Obama, like this is before like all this shit came out. And obviously people who are very privy to the situation know it's probably not 100 percent accurate. But like when people look back on Obama's two terms, the only thing they think of foreign policy wise is he was the president when Osama was killed. So he'll always have that as like a thumbs up, like way to go. Yeah. You got him. Whereas Biden, 
there's obviously different categories that you rank a president, but for foreign policy, to Ty's point, yeah, I give him a check. Like th- this is this is going to carry over in a good way his decision to say, you know, what, we're getting out. But and like the Mo media saying, is spinning this right now is like the opposite is saying this yeah. is going to well, have negative I, I ramifications for ten years. I mean, well, that's it, what he's it, doing. They're, It'll they're, be they're interesting to see what the truth is. Like, I haven't asked other people's opinions yet who aren't like as uh, interested in educating the topic as us. I could see it, it having some negative impact, at least for a little bit. I mean, uh, in Afghanistan could, or think, on Biden? On Biden. Oh, on Biden. It definitely will have a negative impact on Biden. I'm just saying ramifications in Afghanistan. You know, uh, like what I where I thought Adam term decades from now. Not everybody, clearly, but a lot of people. Will look oh, and say, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. That was a good idea. So that, that's that's also definitely, where I was going. But, but I was going to Jared's point where like anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that we have not said a lot of great things about Biden at all. No, definitely like, not. Definitely not. So we have to give credit where credit is due. He does deserve a W for this in our books, I think. I, I think we're all on the same page there. Yeah, but I don't think many other people was- are. But we are, and that's we're somewhere in the middle, and we're giving them a W. And I think there are some, obviously, <laughs> but you're right that there's a lot of people spinning this as like this guy committed political suicide, dude. So we'll get into this. Chap said he wants the president to resign. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was very interesting to hear the perspective of soldiers who were on the streets in Afghanistan to be so polar opposite of what we're saying right now. Well, I, I, I thought that, that was happens like, to be them. I think there's a gajillion. Other of course, of course. Who, but but, but that, that, the, it's just a glimpse into like they even talked about how they knew when they were there, this war is a disaster. Every one of them knew it. They're like, what do you call it? Shit shining. Yeah, it was polishing a turd. Polishing a turd. Yeah. She's like, you just keep polishing the turd till the time it's in the news is everything's going great. And you're down here and like our top priorities give these guys a garbage man and they don't even have electricity. Just like a disaster. So like for them to know it was such a disaster and still be so adamantly against this decision. I, I don't know. I, I think we'd have to frame them up like the same way we looked at it as the only two real options. Right. Well, was it, was East it ends? more troops or withdraw the way we did. Well, Jared, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I misheard them on the podcast. Was it the decision they were upset with or was it how it went down? Were they upset with? Well, I think with everybody that it's been the, how it's yeah, gone. I don't, don't want to fucking down. hear that. Like though, honestly, like I just don't because what chaps no, 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 like, served saying in the that... military and what was his uh, line? He was like, you know, a lot of people will ask me, you know, Hey, um, what would you have done differently? You said you're criticizing the way this was handled. Like, how do you think it should have been handled? And he's like, well, I, I mean, which is fine, right? He's like, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I was never that high ranking. I was never in charge of, you know, operations like that. But he's like, my answer would just be, I don't fucking know. So it's like, well, then what are we talking about here? Like, we're getting out. That's the important part. Like, yes, we can criticize this, but feel like we're criticizing this harder than we've criticized anything over the last, you know, 18 years. That's just how I feel. I mean, I, obviously there's recency bias there, but you know, yeah. it, it's just a unanimous, I mean, like, but that's bare bones. Like this decision 
is a positive for this country. Like, and anyone yes, who's I'm saying sure it, it could have been handled differently or better, right? Of I course. Mean, obvious. That's pretty obvious at this point. Yeah. But, you know, like, does that mean, like Jared said, we send more people in to no, of potentially course die? And, you know, those guys, obviously, they get to say whatever they want. They've been there. They've done that. But there's a lot of people where I'm like, you're talking completely out your ass right now. If I asked you if yeah. you wanted your fucking son to ship off mm-hmm. to fucking war, right? Because of the reasons you know about why we're there now, you'd, you'd say no problem? To protect these women, these women's rights? <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it was it it's Kate. A fuck was her name no. Kate? Was it? Yeah. Kate, oh my yeah. God. She was hard to, hard to listen to in that episode. She was crying every I, other I, minute. I, and I, I get know, it. Like, I, I do sympathize with the fact that like these people literally knew these interpreters in Afghanis. And, and I can see like that's the one area I can sympathize with them is like to them, these aren't sure. just abstract ideas across the world. Like these are people who actually did help them stay alive when they were over there. So I, I could see that. Right. And oh, for so, sure. What does she want for us to go back there? Because we're already sending 7000 troops back. To, to secure like, the airport right. to get more yeah. people back. Yeah. Right. They'll, like, still be, they'll still be out by the end of this month. They only are there for like the what, a few weeks. Of time. Right. Yeah. So what, what, it is. what more yeah. do you want us to do? Wage war for another year so we can get the 22,000 out? Well, I, th- I think it goes back in my head to everybody's had the same emotional response. Glad we did it. So devastating. This was a waste for nothing. I wish it was done better. But when you go to the only logical thought process of these are the only two options, I think if you were to ask the three of them, they would agree with us that of the two options of said more troops or not, we made the right one. But I get why the emotions are in it, especially it if your whole too. identity is, part, is being part of the military. I get it, too. Uh, ultimately, I just can't stand chaps. You know, he's like well, he's saying things <laughs> like, well, to me, he just tries to be too virtuous. He's saying. You know, I just don't understand why, like, we can't, you know, treat, uh, you know, an Afghan life, you know, and, and love someone like that and, you know, fight yeah. for them as much as we would, you know, an American citizen. I'm like, chaps, that's not the way the fucking world works, man. Like, no. that was that's the we whole reason why we've been there for fucking 20 years. Yeah we, yeah, we can't wage war to protect people, you know, from inevitability, like. That, that's yeah, not yeah. sustainable, dude. Like he, he he said that in the three sentences before he said, I just don't know why we can't love everybody. It's like, dude, <laughs> honestly, like give me a fucking he's break like with the, that shit. He's like a hippie marine. Yeah, like I I, I understand the sentiment, right? Every every you know human with moral integrity ha- understands what he's trying to say, but that's just so disingenuous when you talk about reality and the circumstances that are at hand. That's that's it, yeah. not. What do you mean, dude? What, what the fuck are you talking about? The the only other thing I wanted to comment on was this newfound media fascination with protecting women's rights in the Middle East. Conveniently, oh, it only gets brought to, up. To, get, yeah, it gets. Where the hell up. was this the last twenty years? Where was it there? Every where time was we try to pull out Arabia, dude. So Saudi Arabia, where women can't do anything. They, but there are allies never brought up bombings in Yemen. None of this is ever or brought 80, up. 80 so percent of children it. are starving in that country that were bombing. We're supporting the bombs. They're bombing them with our weapons. 
Um, yeah, I don't want to hear a peep about human rights in the Middle East from these virtue signaling bitches. And there's yeah. plenty of them. It's a fucking joke. And I, I think what's interesting too, um, that part of the world, like throughout history, has been like untamable from like outside powers. Yeah. Not even just now. Like you go back, dude. Untamable within its own powers. Within its I'd own, say the powers. large majority of these countries are like just constant civil war decade mm-hmm. after decade after decade. And um, I listened to a Dan Carlin episode. This is a long time ago. And I misinterpreted what he said. Um, I thought this nickname he gave to all of the Middle East, but I guess it was stri- strictly for Afghanistan, the graveyard of empires. And I don't know if you guys heard that term or saw it in like Twitter or anything like that when we were all doing our research. But um, if you go back like to the Persians, to Alexander the Great and the Greeks, the Mongols, yeah. all of these super successful empires like the, the moguls from india have all tried to like maintain control of like afghanistan and the surrounding areas and they're just never been able to successfully like get a foothold there at all it's just constantly changing hands part of that is because of if you look at a map afghanistan is like smack dab in the middle of this giant connector between like the eurasian world and just like the strictly asian world yeah. Like the Middle East and, and the rest of Asia. So like there's, it's a mesh, a mesh point of all these different cultures, ideologies, religions. So obviously that's tense. And two, Afghanistan's geography is also a big reason why it's hard to maintain control because it's like super arid, full of desert, not a ton of great vegetation. The mountains do like the mountains link up with the Himalayas. They have some of the tallest mountains in the world in Afghanistan and that that factors into like reigning in control of a country. So it's not shocking when you look throughout history, this part of the world has just never been able to not like you, like you said, Jared, not just imperialistic type nations and empires coming in to take control, but it's been a shit show in there since it became a nation. Afghanistan's only been around since the 1770s. Not, not much, not much older than the United States, Yeah, but it's just constantly changed hands and it's such a shit show. And we're seeing it now, even in the modern, modern times, it's, you can't tame it no matter how many trillions of dollars you pour into the military industrial complex there, it's not going to work. And, you, and hopefully think- this is the last time we ever try and country build That's and gonna ask. bring democracy to another country. Do I you, sure hope so. Do you think there's a chance that we end up reinvading and putting more troops back in Afghanistan because of terror threats. No, I think there's a chance. I don't know if it'll be during Biden's administration. It'll be like the sketch UA. We have troops in Syria right now. We're like, they're not troops and we're not at war. It's like all illegally under the radar, but I don't think there's any appetite whatsoever for this. Cause I think even Obama tried to send troops to Syria and like leaked it, got a ton of bad PR and then like reeled it back. It's like, all right, no appetite for war after Iraq. And I think now after Iraq and Afghanistan, dude, if we tried to go into another war that was none of our fucking business, geez, Louise, I'll drop some bombs on some terrorists, but I'm not sending any troops. Yeah. Well, I guess when you say Jared, like, do you think we had any reason to go to Afghanistan in the first place? Yeah, I, I think it was important okay, so, that we, we dismembered yeah. Al-Qaeda. 
Well, yeah. So like there definitely was a re and I think like some people like, like you said, like, why are we even there in the first place? Well, there was a reason Bobby went yeah. there in the first place, a pretty legitimate reason for how long we've been there. There's no reason for that. It's very clear with yeah. like Ty bringing up the Afghanistan papers, which is the equivalent of the Pentagon papers with the Vietnam war, where they just like said, Hey, here's all the stuff we weren't telling you that we were purposely deceiving all of you. Here's all here. Here, here it is. in like, a, you know, a series of interviews and documents and shit like that. I mean, it's insane. Some of it the is. Shit that you read it is. That. Dude. It, and it's just time and time and time again, the elite establishments that rule this country, whether it's the Vietnam war, whether it's 2008 financial crisis, Iraq, Afghanistan, they do nothing but lie and manipulate for their own self gain. And we let it happen again and again and again and again right because if someone's held responsible or accountable for the, for this who's it going to be joe nope, biden nobody it's the president joe, the, joe the, biden the, right the buck yeah. stops with him and yeah. who, who's still going to be around for the next president the, the same people who have let the same all generals and the same people who have yep. been advising you know the same people in the nsa the same people in the cia it doesn't Just like fucking matter doesn't Wall Street was so matter. powerful. Nobody was held accountable in Wall Street at all. It might as well be the fucking Catholic Church. They just keep reassigning these people, and they, they, they're doing just may, fine. Maybe may more powerful in the Catholic Church. Well, yes, I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> I would say yes. It's Jared, definitely Jared, more powerful. That's, that one's up for debate for Jared. It's more powerful an entity. We, we, we can uh, leave a bookmark in that for next episode. We can debate the power of the church. Well, I guess technically the, the power United of the States church, military. you would argue, right, has, you know, how many millions of people are Catholic and would fight, you know, against a the lot. Earth. So, I mean, numbers wise, yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd get smoked. Weapons wise. I'd love to wage war on the Catholic church. Do you think the Catholic church has a military? Nope. I don't think so. No, I would say they don't. Maybe in the Vatican, <laughs> they have a little police force, but that's about it. Yeah. There's 1.3 billion Catholics. It's a lot of people. Baptized let's just, Catholics. Let's just bomb them. That'd be a good use of the complex. <laughs> so segue to our other juicy topic. Yeah, that was. Why don't well you done. pick dealer's choice? I only remembered one of them, the one of um, Chaps' his announcement and well, pronouns. I didn't remember what the third one was. North Korea, but we that that seems like that one could, we could talk about for a while. So maybe we can save that. That's our teaser. North Korea. Oh we can... shit! I, we never <laughs> talked about that. No, we've been talking did you guys about listen? something. Yeah, Ty, I did, did my you? Home, I, did I did my I, I I couldn't listen to the whole thing. No, I gave up the last hour or two once yeah. it was about like woke politics in the yeah. U.S. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll save that one for next time. Let's talk about um, pronouns. Yeah, dude. I, I just before we go into that. That's the first full-length Joe Rogan episode I've ever listened to. That was hard to get through, I have to say. <laughs> like, I hey, listen to the one it. with Quentin Tarantino, dude. That one's actually fucking mad. That one's really good. Like, I mean, Joe Rogan, I don't ever I listen to one in one sitting. I listen to it over like three or four days. That's well, yeah, why. like I mean, it took me several days to get through it. I yeah, feel like I was no, listening I, to like M, um, Supernova in the East episode, which is like, as you know, Jared, because you started, it's like four fucking hours. Some of yeah. the episodes. No, oh, I, and can't, this, I can't listen to a full Rogan in one. Yeah, scene, no this way. was Joe the whole time. Just <laughs> <laughs> this over and over again. Dude, what do you say? One, the lady barely speaks English, but two, like whew, talk about I'd be uncomfortable. Yeah. You All right. So that, that'd be a good hinge. one for uh, 
That'd be a good one for oh, the next I, my, recording. She'd be you... my dream woman, dude. All 80, <laughs> 80 pounds of her. She's 80 pounds and 16 pounds of fake boobs. I was, dude, I was, I'm glad you said that. There's no way in hell those are real. There's no, no way. She was in a famine for the whole Exactly. <laughs> and she's got double Ds. But we're going to, we don't want to give too much away. So, Ty, oh, yeah, that really, that really buried the lead there. Damn. It did. It's everything we wanted to talk about. That's everything. It's, it's out there. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right, what we got? Die. All right. Well, I sent this to you guys because I just thought it'd be interesting. I, I was just curious to, to see what your you know, reactions would be. And we haven't talked about it um, since I, I sent you the uh, video, but uh, it was a video of actually the same guy we've been talking about on the Barstool podcast. This guy's name is Chaps. He has a... <laughs> Yeah, yeah that'd be like that name. <laughs> Just like all these fucking nicknames yeah. at Barstool, like large, big cat and chaps. So he has a nine-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, who I'm not sure if that's his only child or not, but um, I think he so. Went on and did a 25 or so minute podcast talking about the fact that you know, her, his daughter had come out and told him that she was non-binary um, and just talked about like the experience, what he went through, you know, how he felt like, you know, he can support her, how, you know, people should react to, to stuff like this. And, you know, it did get kind of a, what Jared was talking about, did kind of get into pronouns where that was really, unless I kind of missed something like, the crux of the entire thing was just using the pronouns they them um and yeah. even like during the episode like the guy's co-host you know had said she and mm-hmm. chaps had corrected him and said well we got to use they <laughs> um so and then he used I, they and then he corrected him and said you have to use them them <laughs> <laughs> so I just I'll, I'll I'll just ask for your just kind of gut reactions, um, Jared. You can start. Gut gut reaction was, I don't know if I would air this all on a podcast with my nine year old daughter, um, right. make her a, her um, a public figure. Agreed. Um, second gut reaction was, okay, like. I get it. We're kind of, but I also like we're creating this world for this generation of kids to kind of play by their own rules. And hey, you feel better when somebody uses these words to describe you. You can make up your own universe, and now they can you can be those words. And well, Jared, I, I kind of like <laughs> no. Well, let, let, let me quick. finish my let me finish my thoughts. Um, so for for most of it, I was kind of like all right, I get it, chaps. Like, you sound pretty lame right now. I don't know if it really changes my opinion on any of this. Um, We spoke about it well. Like, you talked about how it's not, like, a rush thing. Like, she's in therapy about it. They're working through it. She's happier than ever. And and I think that's all positive. I think my one takeaway at the end of it from his perspective as the dad was large said, hey, what if it's a phase? And he said, I don't care. He said, I will do anything to make my daughter feel happy and support her. That's exactly what I was thinking too, Mo. What were you about to say? And and to me, that made me say, you know what? I get it. Because if I had to guess, I think he talked a little bit about it. Before this all happened, he probably looked at gender fluid and non-binary, probably pretty similar to how we did. 
And, and if we were in that same situation, like I, I would like to think I would have that same response and say, Hey, I want to do whatever I can to support my daughter and make her happy and comfortable. And if she changes her mind in two years, she changes her mind in two years. I don't think that's easy to do. Like, I think most of us no. would be like, Oh God, this is a crisis. When, kind of it's it's in the eye of the beholder like does it have to be a crisis or can you just support your kid as they're going through this growing process journey as they're finding their identity even if this may not be their identity the rest of their life and i liked the way that he looked at that as a parent adam yeah and 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 kind of picking up where you left off mo i i guess the first thing the first thing i thought about was like all right before I just would jump into reaction, I guess my gut reaction was like, wow, this is kind of heavy stuff for Barstool first off. And I thought it was funny that big cat being on there who saying maybe what nine words in total, barely, is yeah, he barely normally on much. that show. I've never listened Sometimes. to Podfathers. Okay. Yeah. Neither have I, but like, I remember a couple of years, like a few years ago when big cat, like released pictures on like Twitter. It was like, Hey, by the way, I have a family. I know I never talk about them. Or talk about her. I heard is is he married? He, he's never know. like yeah yeah he's, okay. he's married to fit with yeah. All right, I didn't know if it was like a girlfriend or whatever. I like which I guess he's way, he's way older. Yeah, he's like mid like mid to late thirties. But like I think that just speaks to like how opposite he is of chaps when it comes to family things. Like he never talks about like specific like names or anything specific with kids. So I thought it was funny that he was on there giving a perspective. But the thing I was thinking of after Jared talked was. What if I was the parent and my kid came up to me and said, Hey dad, I don't think I'm a girl or I don't think I'm a boy. I don't even know what I am. I think I'm non-binary assuming that they even knew what that meant. And it made me also think like, if that's my kid, how am I going to be able to look at that kid and say like, no, you're a boy. Get that thought out of your fucking head. <laughs> hey, see that thing dangling. <laughs> see that little thing in the wind. Can't That's get rid a of that. Penis. Son. <laughs> you're gonna be a you're gonna be a dragon one day. <laughs> exactly. That little earthworm down there. That's gonna be a fucking dragon one day. Like I I can't imagine like looking my kid in the face and saying like yeah no you're this because everyone else says you're supposed to be this or just science says you're supposed to be this. Like I I'd, I'd feel terrible doing that. So that'd be tough for me to like combat my kid about that. But it made me think there was a kid that uh, I used to teach like a few years ago who changed their gender so much in a year, like literally like, and, and we had to have meetings about this, like parent meetings, like, hey, uh, so-and-so is a boy now. Remember that when you're addressing him. And then a couple months later, oh, so-and-so is a girl now. Remember same, that when same, addressing her. Same, same, same person? Flip same person, same school year to a point where like one of the head people in the, in the, um, in the district offices made a rule. I don't know if this rule is real. I doubt it is, but pretty much told the kid, like you can, only change per your, week. you can only change your gender three times in a school year. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it got that out of control. Like it, I don't think it's actually a rule, but like they, we, we phrase it as a rule, like, and just like, Oh, Okay. And she, eh, eh, eh. That's yeah, two. That's two. That's two. Still got more. nine weeks left. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if it got to the point, like, and going back to what, Jay, so yeah, if, if I'm a parent, like, I'm not gonna like combat my kid if my kid wants to say they're a girl and I think it's a boy, whatever. 
it's my kid. I'll support them. Or do they say they're a they? But ultimately, it's a they. Like, great. Then my kids are they because it's my kid, and I love that kid to death, no matter what. I think everyone should feel that way. Yeah. But when the large thing came up, Jared, when like you, you said, and Ty, obviously you heard it, was when like, what if this is just a phase? Like, if my kid's changing their gender every few weeks. Like I, f- I have a hard time like thinking like, oh, like now I have to literally like be asking my kid like every week. So what are you this week? Not, not that I would bring it up that way. I, just, I can see that getting very chaotic, Yeah. not just for the kid, but like this kid's going to be going to school and they're going to be having parent meetings and they're going to, you know, kids are going to be calling my, my kid a he, but like, oh, he, they identify as a she or a they or whatever. And I, I think that, is going to create so much chaos. I know that that's like, um, that's like a worst case scenario kind of thing where a kid just bouncing all around the room with their gender. But I wasn't entirely sure how to think about his reaction. He's like, I'll just go along with this. Like, I don't know if I could just go along with that. I feel like as a parent, I would want to intervene a little bit, you know, and try to figure out like, what are you going to do? You just said, I'm not going to be combative. And then you just said, I'm not going to, no, no, no. I'm not going to be combative if they're like, Hey, I'm non-binary and that's it. And they're like, I don't know what gender I am. And it never really comes up. Great. You're a they, you're a them. Awesome. But if it becomes a thing where it's like every week, well, maybe my stance will change because like that's going to cause a ton of chaos for their social life. And within the family, I, I, I can see that being a total shit show. What do you say? I don't know. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's wild though. Like, I, I mean... So here, here's my thing. Ultimately, uh, obviously, uh, uh, of course, you know, you hope that everyone feels that way, right? That, hey, if it's my kid, goddamn right, I'm going to do everything to, to support them and make sure they feel, you know, accepted and loved and whatnot. Um, I, I totally admire that, you know, trait as a father. But it also comes with the flip side of the coin where you have to be cognizant of the fact and step, take a step back and realize that just because you feel that way about your daughter does not mean everyone else in the world yeah. should Absolutely. and is going to. I think it's definitely right? fair. Um, you know, and he, he, he did, you know, politely, right, correct uh, large, whatever his <laughs> name is, when, you know, he misused the pronoun or whatever. But, like, God, man, what a, <laughs> what a cumbersome task. Like having to like, oh, this is this is my daughter, and you know, and then you have a conversation with someone afterwards. It's like, oh yeah, she's she's awesome. And it's like, right. well, it's actually they, and like, then no one's ever gonna remember. It's just this constant. Yeah, thing. that that's the hard part, right? Right. Like, and if it is a phase, do you tell your daughter it's okay to make the world bend around you, and then re change everything again two years later? I don't know, man. I don't know how. I, I, I think my message would be I love you and support you no matter how you identify. And I'm comfortable calling you. And you can expect probably your close friends and family to call you whatever you'd like. But the whole world may not be as understanding. And, and it may not be realistic to every time somebody identifies right, and you. And it's not their fault. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. Not it, it's fault. not because they're a bad person. It's because maybe they don't understand and that can be okay, right? I think I think that's a fair message to get into a kid's head who's going through that. Of just because you've been mis what do they call that? Misgendered. Because Mis- you've been misgendered, yeah. 
doesn't mean it's a an aggression or something to be upset about. Like, and I also have this feeling, or I had this kind of reaction after I listened to the whole thing. Like, you know, when when you compare this to like actual like transgendered individuals who, you know, truly do feel like they're in the wrong body and you know feel so strongly that they're they're changing you know everything who they are like in sometimes permanent ways. Like to me, th- this I, I don't feel the same like empathy. I guess. It's hard for me to like understand that it may be or you know i i, I don't know I, that was like part of how, how i felt i was like sounds like this is just like strictly like a pronoun thing, like a word thing where i think if you're yeah. transgender like you're going through i would imagine me talking completely obviously not knowing either situation but i envision that being a much more cumbersome and taxing uh process yeah, well, Chaps even laid it out. Like, it's literally just, we're just, you know, nothing's different about my kid. She's just, or they are just changing their pronouns. Right. And so that, that kind of would make me think as a parent, like, if you just kind of think about it, like, try to be as rational as possible, even though maybe that's not the right way to think about it. It's like, you know, what are we, so we're just talking about words here. And if she's, you know, that um, affected by, you know, simple pronouns, like would that yeah. worry you more or would that make you worry about other, other things, right? Like her, you know, emotional stability or self uh, esteem, maybe, I, I don't know. I'm just, you know, like that, that just, it seems to me like those kind of situations different from people who are going through transitions and whatnot, like that seems way more likely that it could be something like a phase. And it makes me almost think of, as you're saying that, like when, when they talk about dealing with like anxiety or depression or mental illness, like it's almost important to disassociate how you feel with your identity and say you are not your feelings, right? Because I think you can kind of spiral when you say, I am always anxious, right? That's who I am, or I am depressed, etc. Right. And, and, you know, it's almost in the inverse effect of in this situation, you can feel one way, but that doesn't mean that has to be who you are, right? It doesn't mean it has to be how your identity and how you present yourself to everybody. Like if we're talking about fluidity, you're going to have good days and bad days as a normal person. It doesn't mean you're depressed because you're sad one day and you're, you know, you f- bipolar because you're happy one day. It's just like you are you and you have a range of emotions. I don't know. Yeah, certainly I mean, the way people think now, I think you're spot on, Jared, because it de- definitely didn't seem like that when we were growing up. Didn't seem yeah. like your emotion, your your emotion that day defined who you were. It just didn't seem like that. Then again, you know, we were living through our childhood and not looking at it from the outside. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's entirely possible that there were people that we grew up with that that would have changed something for them. Right. If it was a thing, it's it's almost like it's the goth of like nowadays. Like, I don't I don't mean it in a derogatory way. It's something that was like mainstream. Yeah, like a fat popular and and everybody was aware of it. So somebody who may have been dealing with depression or loneliness or this, they see that as a presentable way to feel better. Right. But even that right there, think of how non-confrontational and logical that discussion is you can't say that 
right now. I would, I would You're love not allowed to, to. Yeah, and and I, I know you mean like, have that take. I would love to try and find a non-binary person to come on the podcast, right? And and try and have an open conversation from strictly a point of wanting to better understand, and see if we could you know work through that. I don't know if we how we could find a non-binary person, but. Well, you're going to Vermont or Western Mass, maybe someone out in the, yeah, right. in the campsite. I'm sure that, dude, you should have seen how many people had KN95 masks outside in the woods watching this <laughs> puppet show. So there's a dude, lot shit. of libs up there. Shit's like going down. Like my uh, One of my partners, their sales kickoff event in Houston next week just got postponed. Like just to well, because you guys have a lot of cases in Texas. There's no outbreaks in New England right now. And it, yeah. um, Vermont's like 90% vaccinated. I think it's the most vaccinated state in the country. And yeah. people were in KN95s outside in the fucking sun. insane. That, we're that fucking variant, Reverting man. back to this. Yeah. I refuse. I absolutely the refuse. Old, the last thing I had on, on this topic was kind of related to something that Jared said earlier. Um, how this... Merge. What about gay marriage? <laughs> Nothing. Not about gay marriage. Or how Jared, wait. <laughs> wait, when we talk about gay marriage. What are you t- what are you talking about? I don't know. Ty said gay marriage. Oh. I was like, do I do we just talk about gay marriage? But no, it, it made me think of, you know, like this day, like we're very react like this cult I shouldn't say we are. This culture that we live in is very reactionary. Like if you voted this way, that means hey, we're you're a part X, of the y, culture, man. We're on Apple Podcasts. Yes, we are. We're shaping the discourse. We sure are, baby. Discourse city up in here. But it makes me think too, like, like now, like if you if you act this way, then you're X, Y, and Z. If you voted uh, Republican or Democrat, that means you're these things. And that kind of thing is seeping into our kids. I'm sure where like kids make these gut re- have these gut reactions yeah. about a, who a person is. For example. We're at a family, like ties at a family party with his kid or yeah, his kid and they are non-binary and someone's like, Hey, how, how is your son doing? Or how is he doing? And some kids these days would immediately be like, wow, bigot. You're yeah. all these like <laughs> yeah. immediately taught to react without, like- <laughs> without yeah. any discourse, as Ty said, any conversation like, Hey, maybe I should get to know this person. Maybe I should maybe understand that they're not going to recognize my non-binary status, you know? And I think that, that, that worries me a little bit because kids are being trained because of fucking social media that if you like say one bad and, thing and their parents, I mean, and their parents and, and their parents aren't, again, we just said, they're not a lot of times doing it for the, these wrong reasons. No, but like this is what happens when, you know, this becomes a part of, you know, what they can access online very easily Mm-hmm. And we're kind of bringing them up in, in an environment where it's like, hey, we're going to support you no matter what you tell us. Right. And, and, and when, like, that when kind people... of fosters that when the kids are then mingling together. Right. That's yeah. Just they... making these accusations as soon as like, hey, you got my gender wrong. Fuck you. Right. But when most communication now is done via tweets that are limited in characters and headlines that are driven by clickbait, you lose the ability to have nuance. In nuance. nuance, nuance in those short, ineffective ways of communicating. I think that's part of it. These people only text, tweet, and re-clickbait. They don't have conversations like this. 
Right. So they, you know, when and it comes I, to I them, think we'd be able to have a, you know, very, you know, le- you know, normal and productive conversation if we, you know, had someone from that community on just to kind of talk about things like this. Let's do some research. See, can you search pronouns on like Facebook or anything? <laughs> I'm surprised it's not on there yet. Cause they, they like, I can search for him on hinge. Maybe I'll just go to they, that's my new filter on hinge and try and find somebody. Could have Steve come on. <laughs> you say, let's Steve's- be real. Steve definitely knows that they be or two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. Well, yeah, the North Korea discussion will be interesting. TBD. Yeah, because I, I no, not not TBD. That's not what I meant. Not to be determined. <laughs> to be continued is what I meant to say. TBC. 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 Sign us off. I love you guys. Wait, say it again. I love you guys. <laughs>